back to another episode of Generally Stem with your favorite House Republican podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Gattis. been joined by Neil Usher. Jesse Topper is on assignment today. That's right. Possibly licking his wounds from a uh, very, uh, very interesting outing we had. But we'll get into that uh, at a different podcast uh, with, with him and a guest to be named later. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, stay very tuned. And if Ruth, Ruth Topper probably already knows about it, unless... Uh, uh, you know, unless her son is too ashamed to to discuss this whole thing. All right, shrouded a mystery, but uh, it will be a very fun podcast when we we talk about it entirely. You know, I heard John Fetterman today talking about his Senate campaign, and while we don't talk about politics here, and we're not going to, uh, he he used a quote that I think applies aptly to the Wolf Fetterman administration, which is "desperation is the worst smelling cologne," <laughs> and. I think that's what we're seeing right now from an administration that's trying to turn around their legacy, which, frankly, I think is going to be hallmarked by their bent towards autocracy. Right. Yeah, it's almost like the panic button's been hit, and they realize that there's only a couple months left, and they haven't really changed you know, their legacy, or at least the perception of their legacy in the minds of voters and Pennsylvanians. Yeah, I mean, look, this is an administration that spent uh, a quarter of its entire time in office uh, literally throwing people into the criminal justice system for uh, trying to earn a living, spent over spent about half of their administration in budget impasses, es- essentially agreed to things with the General Assembly merely because they were so popular that they had no other option to, but to try to do something about it. Spent seven-eighths of their administration trying to raise taxes. Y- yes, uh, yes. You know, and look, I think that even carries through to the last year. Right. So look, this is there's two so there's two things going on. We'll we'll talk about them uh, in the order in which they occurred over the last week. One is this ongoing call from the governor to uh, send some Pennsylvanians two thousand dollar checks. I know you didn't hear it, but that's the sound of Neil's head hitting the desk. It's, uh, so where look where where do, where do we start? Well, it's completely disingenuous. We just finished a budget negotiation process. The governor was part of that process. He was at the table. He didn't fight for $2,000 checks at the budget table. In fact, it was the governor himself that took it off the table in favor of spending money on other things. You know, they were very um, apt to want to do these home health or the whole home repair program. Um, they wanted money for violence prevention. You know, so, so the money, the federal money that the governor was kind of able to put his thumb on and say, that's where I want federal money to go. Um, he dropped the $2,000 checks. He didn't ask for it. Now you have the, a budget agreement that he shook hands with leaders of the General Assembly and said, here's our budget agreement. He went, he's out there touting the budget agreement. Um, he, he's even trying to take sole credit for the fact that we now have $5 billion in the rainy day fund. And now that he's spent all the federal money, he's turning around and saying, oh, wait, look, we've got $5 billion in the rainy day fund. We could use some of that money to do the $2,000 checks because I really want to send out these $2,000 checks. It's like you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. You can't tout the $5 billion rainy day fund, which, by the way, is not meant for um, governors in their last couple months to be able to spend it all. It's meant for the state to be able to balance its budget. Um, if the economy takes a downturn. And that's why it was so important for Republican leaders to get that rainy day fund back to where it is and why we need to guard it against, uh, you know, this Democrat appetite to just spend it. Yeah. And and I think the Tribune Review this week had a really good editorial saying that it's not hard to it's it's hard not to see this attempt by Governor Wolf to as as basically walking around, throwing cash around uh, in the middle of a contentious gubernatorial and U.S. Senate election cycle. Uh, trying to help Democrats. And 
Uh, you know, it's one thing, you know, to talk about spending federal dollars, which we are also opposed to, because look, inflation, right? This is the same inflationary uh, tactics that came out of Washington, D.C., too much stimulus uh, at one time, uh, while, while not, you know, having the, the ability to uh, have, have the supply side, demand side stuff take care of getting this money through the economy. Right. Um, that has caused inflation, too much demand, not enough supply, people with a lot of, you know, cash that didn't have any ability to spend it. Yeah, I, I th- it was even a former Obama economic advisor came out and said that this is like pouring gasoline on an inflation fire. Um, so, I mean, it was, there's bipartisan recognition of the fact that it's just doubling down on the same policies that it's causing the inflationary spiral that, it, that you know, Americans are currently suffering under without actually solving the root problem, which was, you know, too much stimulus hitting too much money, too few goods. Right. Well, now the Wolf administration, with their legislative allies, now that we spent the federal money because they beg- basically begged us that we need to get they, – they made such an issue over the fact that we need to spend this federal money. We're like, all right, we'll spend it. Now want to just spend Pennsylvania tax dollars on $2,000 checks, which is basically just our straight-up redistribution of wealth. Right. Uh, it's people paying taxes in the system and then sending that money uh, directly back out. Um, this isn't stimulus. This is just, this is just a straight-up taking money from some Pennsylvanians and then giving it to others. You know, this is not Robin Hood. This is robbing Peter to pay Paul. And again, it's not real, right? I mean, the governor is on his way out. The budget for this year is done. He doesn't get to negotiate another budget. He's a lame duck. So he can have all the press conferences he wants and he can make promise. I mean, this is the Wolf administration in a nutshell. He goes out and promises people things that he knows will never happen. So he can blame somebody else for the fact that it didn't happen. He's been doing it for eight years. Yeah, right. I mean, and and really giving people a, a sense of false hope. You know, the one issue in which I personally get threats over is this two thousand dollar check. When people read quotes in in the news and stuff, uh, it's because people uh, are so believe that they are entitled to it after the governor promised it to them, uh, and they view us in the legislature as the one standing in the way of it. Ultimately, it's a it's a fallacy to say that that to any of that, especially when the governor's the one who walked away from it. But two, you know, look. I was asked yesterday about uh, the minimum wage, and I'll say this too about people who need stimulus checks. I just saw an advertisement for a starting wage at $36 an hour on a billboard, a little yard sign when I was driving through Carlisle. $36 an hour for a starting wage. I saw at Longhorn Steakhouse in, in Lancaster, they were paying a line cook $26 an hour. I, I don't know what kind, of, what kind of experience you need to be a line cook at Longhorn Steakhouse. Uh, I do love Longhorn <laughs> right. Steakhouse. Loaded baked potatoes where it's at. But, you know, if, if you're in such need of money, if you're looking for higher wages, the opportunities are out there. And Pennsylvania employers are desperate for help. We are still facing an incredible labor crisis and shortage here in Pennsylvania, as the rest of the country is as well. Uh, and that's contributed to by, to by a number of factors. The IFO just released a report that looks at some of that. I think one of the most stunning things is actually how the pandemic drove people into an early retirement. So we've seen a, uh, a earlier than expected retirement of baby boomers who are now literally not working. They have uh, a bunch of cash that they're retiring on. So again, you have all these people with cash who are not helping produce goods to actually fill the demand side. So you have fewer people trying to supply more people that don't that have money to buy stuff and it's just not out there. Again, also the cause of inflation. So you know, I think what, what we're looking at is a need to find a way to incentivize career development, job training, get people ready to work, get uh, working out there, and 
to, to, to say that the government right now needs to be the end-all, be-all of, of your economic assistance. Uh, there's a lot of good jobs out there, and the starting wage is higher than it's ever been before. Yeah, and, and that, you know, that we've really prioritized uh, job training programs, you know, from the House Republican standpoint, as we were putting the budget together. Um, you know, we put additional dollars into career and technical centers, into Thaddeus Stevens. But also, um, for the first time, we put some money into a new program. In Lancaster, there's a program called Tech Central, uh, which actually is it's unique. It takes Spanish-speaking Pennsylvanians, and it helps them you know, remove barriers to getting into the workforce. And sometimes that might be English as a second language skills or other job training uh, that they might need. And the program has been very successful in Lancaster. And, you know, they said that they could expand that into other third class cities with a little bit of support from the state. So we put some money in the budget to do that. Uh, They've now opened their York location. They're going to be providing those same services in York. They're looking at Reading and Lebanon as well. And, you know, some of these areas have pretty high population. Lebanon. I'm from Lebanon. I say it right. Okay. Um, you know, some of these areas have pretty high populations of Hispanic and, and Spanish-speaking uh, people who, who could benefit from, if it's understanding English a little bit better, and that's the barrier to entering the workforce, and we can get them those, those training services and help them. And it helps employers, too, because employers are looking for workers to fill all these jobs. Do you think that they're going to teach people to say Lancaster? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the program started in Lancaster. Not Lancaster? No, it's never Lancaster or <laughs> Lebanon. Well, unless you're talking about the, the country of Lebanon. Well, yeah, I mean, why would you? But is it like, you know, there's a, there's a Lancaster in California. You think that's Lancaster? It is because it's in California and everything's backwards there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, uh, just well, let's hit on one more thing pretty quickly here. Uh, announced just as we're recording this. Uh, the governor wants to uh, give a get-out-of-jail-free card for people who have been convicted of drug crimes. Oh, go figure. A fast track, not even through the regular pardons process. You basically fill out an online form, go through a couple CAPTCHA tests, and uh, your marijuana possession charges will be pardoned. So no review uh, about the individual or the I mean, they're going to go the pardons board, but, I mean, they, so this is a one-month application, so you have to apply by September 30th. And then they say after September 30th, you have to go through the regular clemency process. So this is an expedited review process for low-level uh, possession charges and, and possessing marijuana for individual use. This is from, you know, look, the same administration that I said before uh, literally threw people into the criminal justice process for just trying to make a living. Now wants to cave to their liberal special interest base uh, and the political winds of the season and literally take people out of the criminal justice system that have been convicted of drug crimes. Um, that, I think, is just the exact legacy that this administration has been cementing for itself. Um, they are against people earning a living, uh, and they're, you know, just like Philadelphia and Larry Krasner, they're pro-criminal. And there's no, like, time period on this? Like, well, you, you have, have to, to apply by the, by the end of September. No, I mean, like, how, how long it's been since you've had this drug no. crime? Because, no. you know, I'm thinking, once again, this is like an executive order, you know, go-to-loan approach by the Wolf-Fetterman administration. We're just going to go around the laws that the General Assembly has written and that he has signed into law. You know, I mean, under his administration, there was a bipartisan uh, group in the House. It was Cheryl Delosier working with Jordan Harris, you know, and they passed the Clean Slate Law. Which you know says after ten years of a of a nonviolent criminal conviction, you can have that you know essentially taken from your record. But there's a time period there where we you know you prove to society that you were crime free for ten years, and then we will forgive it, right? So in this instance, you could have just committed this crime and have it taken off the records almost immediately. Uh, that's exactly right. 
you know, more to your point, Neil, this just shows that they are not even respectful of the legislative process, but also the, the judicial process and the criminal justice process as well. Look, more to the point, this is even more strange because our, our favorite DA, Larry Krasner, actually still does arrest people for possession cases, uh, possession instances. So Larry Krasner is uh, going after these people, and Tom Wolfs and John Fetterman are letting them out. Right. And this is on the heels. I don't know if you saw that, um, you know, Joe Biden has been in Pennsylvania recently. Uh, interestingly, uh, John Fetterman was nowhere to be found. Um, but before Joe Biden's visit, Fetterman put out a press release calling on Biden to declassify marijuana as a Schedule One drug, which I don't think the president can just unilaterally do. But, you know, I mean, you know, they believe in unilateral rule. Yeah, and again, this is the the bent towards autocracy. They just, you know, if just because they think it's right that should be done immediately, and if this process that we have here, which is look, it's supposed to be hard to make laws. It's supposed to be hard to change laws. It's supposed to be hard to take away people's freedoms, which is what the legislative process ultimately does. Making laws alters freedoms. Right. Um, it doesn't grant you any. It it changes them. Uh, it takes them away. It restricts things. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard to do. And they don't think so. They don't think so. I mean, when they talk about getting rid of marijuana laws, what they're ultimately talking about is getting rid of laws. Right. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about... Without actually getting rid of the laws. It's really just ignoring the law. Right. But they want Joe Biden, uh, and now through the pardons process, to just make it so. You know, this, this went, these things went through this very difficult long-term process, uh, scheduling marijuana on the federal level, criminalizing uh, possession here on the state level, that went through this process. And now they're going, yeah, we don't want to go through that process again. Seemed pretty onerous the first time. Yeah. Uh, let's just let's just get rid of it. That's that's autocracy. That's what that is. Well, speaking of government efficiency, here's a fun little story. Well, not really not fun, but little story to round us out here. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, I saw uh, on the post office website that they were advertising you could order free at-home COVID tests again, you know, and the post office will bring them to you. So I thought, well, you know, why not? I mean, in, in, knock on wood, I've never had COVID, as I know. I've never had to. You know, felt like I needed to test for it, but I thought, well, you know, people are still getting it. It's probably something good just to have, right? So uh, my my COVID my free COVID tests arrived uh, yesterday, and um, they expire in two weeks. So thanks, Joe Biden. That's uh, super helpful. Like, wh- why mail somebody a COVID test that's going to expire in two weeks? What's the what is the value in in any of this? Maybe they're just saying you're going to get COVID. <laughs> well, I did think I did kind of wonder, like, did I just jinx myself? Like now I'm going to I've avoided it for two years and now now I'm going to get it. Well, here's here's the thing. Is it a use by date or a sell by date? It's a use by, I think. I mean, it's got like like it's weird because it's it's got this little like um, like uh, was it made in China? Hourglass thing that that yeah, probably yeah, well, they, I didn't usually, most of them are made in China. I didn't even look. Yeah. But they, but that's the other, but that's the other question, right? So they only have like a six month shelf life. All right. Well, that's uh, generally assembled for uh, this week, and uh, you can get us uh, on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, especially www.pahousegop.com slash my podcasts, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify. All right. Well, for Neil Lesher, I'm Jason Gottesman, and uh, this is generally assembled. We're out. Peace, peace, peace.